Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of your perfectly good podcast, the only podcast on the internet that is counting down every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. I am one of your hosts, Jesse Jackson. Joining me as always is my sister and all things Hyatt as we circle up the wagons. <laughs> How are you doing, Sylvan? I am thankfully not in Times Square. I am enjoying another uh, great conversation with you, Jesse. But it is a little bit more crowded here in the podcast this morning. And I love that. It Can we is, introduce our guest? Yes, we, uh, this is so cool. We're almost on a streak now. This is our <laughs> second guest. So I'm loving it. Uh, Jamie Rogers, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It is such an honor to be here. Uh, I'm, I've been listening to every single episode. I absolutely love it. And I, let me just say though that I did listen to the bring back your love. Uh, to me, show earlier, and I am a very much a poor imitation of Skip. So, just so you know, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'm sure you're going to bring uh, your own version of charm. Uh, that was a fun episode. I, I hope people enjoy it. And uh, he did. Uh, I did love. He says, "I'm never going to listen to the song the same way." Uh, so that's great. All right. So Jamie, we met through the John Hyatt fan site, but tell us in case someone is not hanging out at that wonderful Facebook page, tell us a little about yourself and how you've discovered John. Well, thank you. Um, I'm from Southern Illinois originally, though I've lived in Florida since 1984. I grew up as a military brat, mostly overseas. So I was pretty much uh, constrained by my parents' record collection growing up. And I listened almost exclusively to Tom T. Hall for many years. And I think even though that's a completely different genre, it made me just love lyrics. It made me love songwriters and just how a song is put together. And so uh, when I was for my 14th birthday, I got Queens and I had the opera. And that set me off in an entirely new direction that lasted until my 20s, probably. And then the, my entire 20s was Bruce Springsteen, take a drink, Jesse, and Tom Petty, pretty much. That was the entire decade of, of the 20s. So how I ended up getting to John is an interesting story. I live in Florida. My parents still live in Southern Illinois. So I was visiting them sometime in the very early 90s. And I just happened to walk into the living room and CMT was playing. Nobody else was even in the room, but Lyle Lovett was singing. She's already made up her mind. Mm -hmm. And that song, I don't know if you're familiar with that song or not, but it's a gorgeous song. song, It just mesmerized me. I mean, I sat down and just watched it and it just, it was just an unbelievably beautiful, beautiful song. So I went out the next day and bought Joshua Judge's Ruth and I loved it. And then I bought everything by Lyle Lovett. And that led me to Towns Van Zandt and Guy Clark and ultimately to my two passions now, the Avett brothers and John Hyatt. Now, how I first really became involved with John Hyatt was I was a casual fan. I was aware of bring the family. I was aware of slow turning, but I was kind of like how the poor, the record buying audience was, has been with John his entire career. Unfortunately, Um, I was kind of a casual fan. And then I happened to see a show featuring Guy Clark, Joe Ely, Lyle Lovett and John Hyatt. And I mean, that converted me 
immediately because as much as I love all three of those other artists, John just, in my opinion, blew them all away. And um, where did you see them? I saw them in, I think I want to say it was Melbourne, Florida in the King Center sometime in the mid nineties. I can't even remember exactly when it was, but it was a long time ago. And it was just one of the most beautiful concerts I've ever heard. All of them just on the stage with a guitar in hand, no backing band, nothing like that. You know, they would back each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's been an Austin City Limits um, special showing the four of them as well. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's well worth your time. But um, they toured very regularly from 1989 for several years. The four of them would just do a little bit of the year, maybe every other year, and they would tour together. Well, I was so impressed with John that, again, I kind of get obsessive as a fan. I went out and bought every John Hyatt album I could find, and I have been a huge super fan ever since. Um, Through the Avett Brothers fan pages, I met a a lady named Linda Morgan, and we became friends, and I sent her, so I burned some John Hyatt CDs and said, you've got to listen to John Hyatt, you got to listen to John Hyatt, (laughs) and she did, and she liked it so much that she started the John Hyatt fan page and put me on as an administrator, so I've been an admin on that page since the beginning. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much. I love that page, obviously, and they've been so kind to us. And, uh, you know, I've said since I first showed up and waited in line for tickets with people that John Hyatt fans are the coolest, nicest people. So a way that can bring us together and have these kind of connections is so great. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it is. I, I totally agree. And the page has been, everyone has been so lovely to us and so supportive. And I, I, I love the, you know, the, the debate on ratings, cause that's part of the fun of that is going. And so, uh, I love that. By the way, I, do you know the no nukes, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen story? No, I don't think so. So this is one of my favorite stories. If it isn't really true, it needs to be true. And, and I shared this after Tom Petty had died. I've heard this multiple times from different sources that they were doing the no nukes tour and someone came up to Tom Petty and said, okay, you're playing before the E Street band. You're going to hear a lot of Bruce. <laughs> They're not booing you. They're saying Bruce. And supposedly Tom Petty says, is there a difference? <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is a great line. <laughs> I, I, it has to be true. And it just made me love Tom Petty even more. Right. <laughs> he just, like, eh. well, he's so, a Gainesville, Florida boy. I went to law school in Gainesville. So I, you know, I'm a Floridian now, you know, since 84. Yeah. Well, we are thrilled you're here and thank you so much. Uh, tonight we are talking, we are finishing the bees. We which are is kind of exciting. Uh, so Buffalo River Home is our, uh, last bee song. So Sylvan, why don't you give us just the facts? Okay. Just the facts. Buffalo River Home was track number four on Perfectly Good Guitar. And that's the third song that we've discussed from this album. So uh, if you've been listening, you know that was released in 1993 on A&M Records. It was the last studio album on A&M. Um, it was 
backed by the band called the Guilty Dogs, Mike Ward on lead guitar, John Kearse and Brian McLeod. Just some facts about what the Buffalo River is. I wanted to note that there are actually seven Buffalo Rivers in the United States, Arkansas, Georgia, Minnesota, New York, Tennessee, which I think we can all assume and agree uh, which one John was writing about, Virginia and Wisconsin. Uh, the Tennessee Buffalo River is 125 miles and named after... Buffalo River was actually named after a fish, not the buffalo animal that we are often associating with. And I think uh, John plays up that imagery in this. And it's about an hour west of what was then John's home in Franklin, Tennessee. This particular song did not chart. It was released as a CD single with no new B-side. So I don't have it in my collection. Of course, now I'm kicking myself on that. There were no covers to speak of that I found, some amateurs that were, of course, quite good. And we encourage everyone to share those and uh, upload if you wanted to record this beautiful song. But it does have a few live versions out there on the interwebs, including a version that aired on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, March 15th, 1994, which featured some gospel backup choir which I thought was really nice. And I spent some time listening to that this morning. So aside from that, of course, Mike Elliott, Take a Drink, uh, discussed this song in his book. And he notes that another standout track on Perfect Guitar is Buffalo River Home with a melody that recalls Neil Young's Thrasher, Hyatt, as he done so often, addresses the uncertainty of middle age with metaphorical frankness. We can get into the lyrics later, but I do think it's funny how this album uh was released when John was younger than I am and everyone was making such a big deal about the fact of how old he was. <laughs> um, and I do have just one quote that hasn't come up uh from John himself about the album. Perfectly Guitar was a batch of songs I had written over a period of one or two years. We had just moved out to the country and I remember being thrilled that I could turn my amplifier up real loud and nobody would complain. So a lot of these songs were written on guitar. And also I was listening to a lot of new bands and stuff with my stepson that that was definitely inspired by that. So a little tip of the hat to Rob Bowers. Um, my number is still publishable, by the way. <laughs> I, Those are the facts. That sounds awesome. Um, so let's start with you. We'll start with our guest, Jamie. Um, quick thoughts about this one. You know, I am so thankful that you guys asked me to do this song, but this song is a tremendous challenge because to me, there's, it is just like oh, so many of John's songs, so multi-layered. Mm. I mean, I, I think of the physical, the spiritual, the mental, emotional, there's so many different themes that run through this and so many different ways to interpret it. Um, I mean, if you look at it from the surface view, to me, it's about a man who's obviously reaching middle age. He's contemplating the highs and lows of chasing his dreams for so many years, not sure where he fits in, still trying to find where he fits in or even whether he fits in and looking for that little spark to keep him going if if he should keep going. But knowing that there's something out there, whatever it is that just keeps him going from 
the the grind for the grind, you know, from one town to the next to to continue to chase his dream. And as this is going on, he's going through things in his life. We know about his recovery. We know about him aging. We know about him being on the road and how the road can age someone and the paint is peeling. And, you know, I mean, there's just so many layers to this song. But to me, it's kind of like a, a not a midlife crisis, but a midlife assessment of where he is and where he wants to be and all of the obstacles that he faces. I love that phrase. Yes, I, I do too. Sylvan, how about you? Uh, I don't think I can say anything that Jamie didn't say, uh, yes. except to kind of comment that it's really difficult for me to imagine this song without Mike Ward. There was something so raucous about it. And all those emotions that you were just talking about, Jamie, I think really filter into the chords and the wailing of that electric guitar. And it fits so well with John's voice, even though I've heard plenty of acoustic versions that work lovely. I think this is one of the very few Hyatt songs that you almost can't separate from the original recording. I think I'm, I know I'm kind of sliding into rating as opposed yeah. to facts on that comment, but, um, and just everything that you were saying, Jamie, it's a very dense song. Every stanza takes you on a metaphorical journey and there's all these different images and you almost are left in that same emotional state that the narrator is describing that like, wait a second, am I in an airport? Am I in the old West? Am I in the present? Am I a hundred years ago? What's going on? And it, it just all works so nicely. How about you, Jesse? Yeah. One of the things I adore about this song is if you want to turn your brain off and not pay attention to the lyrics, you go on an emotional ride that is incredibly satisfying. Mm -hmm. This is a well put together song with the, the instrumentation, the guitar, the, 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 mixing of the chorus and everything it is a traditional chorus which mm-hmm. doesn't always happen in john songs uh it is just when we were talking about when I, john hyatt month you know uh one of us picked live at budokan i think it was michael elliott right and we only they said our only regret that cd would be perfect if they had had bubble over every home on right it just that is the song that's missing um yeah i i just when I saw this, um, I went, wow, we are ending the B strong. Yes. <laughs> like this is a really, really good way to start this. So I, I warned both of you. I sent you guys a link to and take a drink blinded by the light by Bruce Springsteen and growing up and, and I'll pretend not to be offended by the fact that you thought I needed a link to either of those, but go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> Uh, you want to recite the words to you? Yes. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, I know Jamie has it, and I can't remember if Sylvan, but um, Bruce's last studio album, not the covers one, but the one he did with the East Street Band, was in 2020. It was Letter to You, and Apple TV did a, documenta- a documentary on it. They They brought the cameras in. It's in black and white, and it shows the band filming this album. 
And three of the songs are from the early 70s. He had written this when he was young, and they're recording him now. And he told the story that John Hammond, who was the guy who discovered him, reached out and said, I got feedback on your songwriting. And he said that if you aren't careful, you're going to run out of words in the dictionary. Right. I love that that quote. And that was Bob Dylan told him that. (laughs) So... When, when for Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, he opens with growing up and my son adored it. Like he had never heard it. He thought this was one of the greatest songs ever. My wife's like, I don't understand anything what this song is about. So I think, right, because there's so much imagery and so much visions that it, and it's a dense song. And that's when I was listening to Buff- Buffalo River Home. I was going, this is a dense full of imagery songs. It is, you know, they're, they're not written any time at all with each other. And that was the connection I had between these two Bruce songs and this one. Buffalo River Home is, is complex mm-hmm. yet simple. You can hum along to it. It will stay in your mind. You know, Sylvan and I, we often send back and forth like, hey, blue telescope stuck in my mind, Jesse. Uh, you know, uh, I, the blues can't even find me that I can't get rid of it. And that's not a bad thing. That's just kind of one of the, that's, that's, that's a feature, not a bug of doing this podcast. So uh, before we get to the lyrics, any thoughts about my connecting as always, Bruce Springsteen, a couple of these songs and uh, this one. I'll start with you, Jamie. Well, first of all, I love both of those songs. I mean, I, I have listened to both of those songs literally hundreds, if not thousands of times over my life. And to me, the I agree with you, but the difference to me is that growing up and blinded by the light seem to be the words of a young man who is who is just on the precipice of chasing his dreams or or pursuing finding his dreams pursuing his dreams and that deconstruction of the lyrics of blinded by the light on the on broadway thing is just unbelievable i absolutely adore that yes whereas buffalo river home i agree with you in a lot of the con- conceptual things but it's a man who's in the middle of his life middle aged looking back and looking forward and not knowing exactly where he fits. But continuing to find the little bit of inspiration here or there that leads him on to the next town. So, yeah, I, I see that they're both of those artists. I mean, two of my all-time favorite artists. So there's yeah. obviously, yeah. And, and since I am such a big fan of songwriters and lyrics, they would have to be, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Very good. Sylvan? I just want to echo your thought, uh, Jesse, that this is a very lyrically dense song. And, you know, obviously we decided to sit down and talk about every John Hyatt song. We assume that there is a lot to talk about in each and every one. But I think you are right that this is an exceptional example of him turning a phrase in unexpected ways. And he just keeps on coming with more that like usually there's. The one line of like these days, the only bar I see has got lettuce and tomatoes in otherwise a, a pretty 
straightforward telling of the story that John is trying to get across. This, it, it, uh, he starts in an airport, then he's wishing on stars and he's riding on a pony and it's all over the place. Like I can imagine a, um, 10th grade English teacher sitting down with this, um, not to step on the toes of the Mary question, Jesse, from your other yeah. podcast, um, deconstructing this or looking at this as if a student had written it and said, slow down. You, you got to pick an image and go with it. <laughs> but yeah, I think it works because of exactly all those things that we were talking about, the searching for yourself and you can't quite settle on a thought. And uh, just when you were making those comparisons, I wish I could remember who made this, but one of the nicest reviews I think I remember reading was someone who described John as a musical artist who combined the blue collar energy of Bruce Springsteen with the acerbic wit of Randy Newman. And I think you've got that right there. Oh, I, I've never heard that and I love that. I am so sorry. I can't remember who said it. No. I know I quoted it in one of my fan magazines, so yeah. I'll have to pick it up someday. No, I, that is absolutely wonderful. Uh, that is great. Normally, Sylvan and I, as you guys follow along, we just pick certain phrases. This one, we're going to go through every lyrics. <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't, I mean, I just think we've got to do that. So we may take turns reading, but I'll start us off. So. I've been taking off and landing, but this airport's closed. And how much thicker this fog is, fog is going to get, God only knows. Just when you think you've got a grip, reality sneaks off. It gives you the slip. As if you ever knew what it was taking you down the line. And then we hit the lore, uh, the chorus. So I'll stop there. We'll start with you, Tim, this Sylvan. Talk to me about these lyrics. Well, it's about searching and not even having the baseline of is my compass pointing in the right direction and am I starting where I think I am? You know, I am also um, remembering how often he was talking about being worn down by all the touring he was doing because, oh, my God, he was touring a lot through this phase. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's the very literal meaning of he spent so much time going from one city to another that he isn't quite sure. He doesn't have a, a, a grip on reality. And I just, I love the idea of the thick fog settling in, which can be the literal that's going to keep you stranded in one place, or it's going to make it so that you're not quite sure where you're traveling to. Um, any one of those little phrases could be taken many different ways, but it really sets the tone. And I, I think it's a really strong start to the song. How yes. about you, Jamie? Well, I, I agree with a hundred percent with what you said. And what the first thing that I thought of when he talks about, but this airport's closed, it actually brought to mind before I go, which I assume was written afterwards since it came out in Crossing, Crossing Muddy Waters like in 2000. This is in 1993. Yep. But in that song, he's contemplating he can't decide which way he's going to travel by air or land. And I'm thinking, well, don't you remember back when you were in the airport? It was closed from a physical standpoint, you know, from a, a mental, emotional standpoint, the fog. And it's is it the fog of just the endless touring, like you said, is it the fog of depression of someone who has had so many highs and lows? We know about John's tragic history. We know about all of the things he's been through. 
Is the fog a depression that's settling on him during these periods of highs and lows because he has that the high of doing what he wants to do? He's an artist, but he also has the lows of has he really reached his dreams, his ultimate goals? So I see that as fog. And I also see the fog of just being tired because he's just been on the road endlessly and he can't think straight. And that comes up later in the song, too, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But every time you think you've got a grip, every time you think you've got it in hand, every time you think you see that star you've been reaching for, it slips away. And uh, it gives you the slip. And then you're back to reality. And then you're not really even sure what you're doing or what's taking you down the line. Yeah. Both of you perfectly said, and unfortunately... This is a very short podcast. I go, yeah, what they said. Um, (laughs) right. But this, I love this journey. This verse takes us because Mm -hmm. there, as you, we talked about layers, you know, uh, I, I've been taking off and landing, but it's closed and how much thicker this fog is going to get. God only knows. So you could take that literally with him touring, but it's also when you say just when you think you've got a grip. You, you figured it out. I know the key to an old lock car. I, I know what my path is going to be to get success. I know this, this, I, I found a way to get where I need to go. And then reality slips in and gives you the slip. Mm-hmm. Reality settles in. Oh my goodness. No, this wasn't the magic path. No, this wasn't going to be the hit single that brings me, you know, fame, success. It isn't the job that's going to get me promoted where I can buy a new house and a brand new car just to show how good you feel. (laughs) And right. And then, and then he, as if you ever knew what was taking you down the line. So you think you've got a grip, reality shakes you off. And, and then your self doubt as even if I knew, like, why would I even think I knew what this path was going to be? All in a beautiful arrangement, uh, a, the, the song. It is, if you don't listen to words, this is a happy song. You're like, Oh, this is great. And I'm not saying it's not a happy song. Uh, but it is a very dense. Uh, do you have the lyrics in front of you, Sylvan? I do. Would you like me to go to the chorus? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So tearing through the cotton fields and bus shelters of the South running helter skelter down through the Mississippi Delta with no place to call your own, mixing up drinks with mixed feelings all along the paint was peeling down to an Indian blanket on a pony with no rider in the flesh and bone looking for his Buffalo River home. So... I mean, yeah, go ahead, Sylvan. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to jump on any toes there, but like I, what kills me about it is it's so singable that you could almost like go along and not think about what any of it means. But then if you start thinking about it, it's like, how can you even get the words out? Because it's so powerful. But my apologies for starting no, there. No, no, I'm so that's the perfect way to start because it's true. You know, you're you're at a live show, you could just be you know, screaming these lyrics, you know? Just, you know, as like if you're at a Springsteen show or a Petty show or or a Queen show, right? You're just doing this. But then when you break it down, you know, 
with no place to call your home, mixing up drinks with make feelings all along the paint was peeling. That is such an imagery of being run down going, Jamie, what you got? Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And, and one thing that strikes me throughout this song is again, I talked about the ups and the downs. I look at the, the 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 lyrics down through the Mississippi Delta, down to an Indian blanket on a pony, and later down at Times Square. And I think, is down a direction? Is down a state of mind? What is down with him in this in this thing? And obviously, we know that he's on this whirlwind of a life, and he's trying to take stock in it. But, you know, just trying to deconstruct what is going on in his mind. And especially with the, and this is the part that always, I've always just been so fascinated with down to an Indian blanket on a pony with no rider in the flesh and bone looking for his Buffalo river home. And in my mind, I seem to think back and I could be totally just making this up. I don't know, but I think of the native American like ghost rider who is maybe killed in battle away from his home. And so he is a ghost rider on a pony searching for his ultimate home, his, the great spirit or his place to his final resting place. And I don't know if I am completely off the mark on that or not, but to me, there's a spirituality kind of search there that that always comes to mind. Well, I think I can say with certainty that John would agree. If you hear it in the lyrics, it belongs there because <laughs> gosh, is he a slippery person? If we ever try to get a straight answer of him of what he intended. Right. But I mean, th- these I- images come up in other songs too, like Native Son came to mind. And I, I do think that it was an intentional nod to, um, the rootlessness of the settlers coming in and taking away the culture and the history and feeling like your life is kind of literally crashing through these places that you don't quite belong. And you haven't been able to do that without someone else paying a dear cost. I think that is all intended in there. And in a way, it doesn't make sense. Like why all of a sudden is there a pony driving through in an Indian blanket? You know, like, what are we talking about? But I, I think he's painting a picture of a ghost and a debt that he feels that we all need to pay, but he's not doing it heavy handedly. It's just in a way that you're going to sing along with and maybe you'll think about, maybe you won't. It, Go ahead, Jamie. Oh, I was going to say, also Homeland comes to mind too, mm-hmm. Sylvan. There's so much Native American imagery in so many of his songs. I actually had a cousin tell me he thought John was Native American. I'm like, I don't think so. He's from, you know, Bloomington. You know? Yeah. Uh, when we get to Homeland, yeah. there is a really good story about that. And uh, okay. he is good friends with Native Americans who have kind of taken him under his wing and given him spiritual guidance. So Good. Oh, I can't wait for the H's now. So, yeah. I think you cannot oversell how catchy this chorus is. This is so, this is, um, this is a pop chorus. This is so, you know, it, uh, you know, once again, because I can't do that right. Um, Hungry Heart is so singable, but I had a wife and child in Baltimore, Jack. I went in a car and I never came back. 
the song starts with you abandoning your family. There's no place to call your own. And I'm thinking of old Westerns where you've been robbed or you, you know, you've been ambushed and all you don't have your saddle. You don't have a, you know, you don't have a bridle, bride, uh, you know, a reins, anything. You just got, you find a horse, you happen to have a blanket and you're trying to get home, looking for that home. And he's already said, I have no place to call my own. And now looking for a Buffalo River home. Shelter, skelter, delta own, feelings, peeling, pony, bone, home. I just, once again, you're like, John, did you have a rhyming dictionary and just this? But it flows and it's beautiful. So, yeah. Jamie, do you have the lyrics you want me to read? Oh, I've got them. Sure. Okay. So you want to do the next verse? Sure. I've been circling the wagons down at Times Square, trying to fill up this hole in my soul, but nothing fits there. Just when you think you can let it rip, you're pounding the pavement in your daddy's wingtips as if you had someplace else to go or a better way to get there. And is there a better line (laughs) anywhere? Yeah. No. Uh, Only down later i think would would there's a song line later in this that i i of course that, that michael elliott when he was on talked about that um so okay we we've got the indian rider right the indian blanket and now we're circling the wagons down at times square and the whole this could be very much especially when you throw in your daddy's wing tips and it's hard not to just like your dad did connect that history of a, a, a father doing his duty for his family and maybe at the detriment to his own personal satisfaction, his own personal dreams, uh, you know, go back to Independence Day from Springsteen, right? That, that connection there. And so, and, I think we've all been trying to fill up this hole in my soul, but nothing fits there. Um, I've been someone who's, who's, who has struggled with weight his whole life. And, you know, you'll hear people talking about people th- with eating disorders and just people struggling. You're, you're eating to fill up something, you know, um, all addiction. Is yeah, that. all addiction. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, skinny people eat when they're hungry. And one of my favorite lines, it was in, uh, other people's money. And, uh, Danny DeVito asks the female lead, do you want a donut? And she says, I'm not hungry. And he says, what does having being <laughs> hungry have to do whether you want a donut? I said, that is my life. That is my life. Um, so it's there. And then. You think you can let it rip. And then I love that pounding the payment in your daddy's wing chips. Old men's shoes, uncomfortable shoes, not, not fun little, you know, moccasins, moccasins or not, you know, uh, it, you know, you know, French shriners or anything, you know, this old school wing tips as if you had someplace better to go. Or a better way to get there. It's just a beautiful. Um, Sylvan, you want to take us then? Yeah. I mean, I think everything that you guys have been saying, but really it's about, you know, that 
feeling of wanting something better, of striving for a life even better than what came before you. And then kind of realizing that like, wait a second, who am I? Who am I to, uh, have my hole filled externally? Or who am I to say that, you know, I had anything better to do than grow up like my daddy done? Take a drink, Bruce Springsteen. Um, and that I think it speaks to the wanderlust, but also realizing that the only way to cure these feelings is to look inside yourself. And I don't know if that's what the intent was with circling the wagons down at Times Square is about is, you know, the idea of you have to shut out the noise of the bustle, whether it's actually in a city or just the bustle of modern life and um, find some comfort and take stock and realize that knowing that you're not any better or worse than your dad or your kid, there is a comfort in that, not a tragedy in that. My thoughts. Well said. Jamie, anything else? Yeah. Um, to me, it's, it's almost contemplative. And the first, the, I thought of your dad did, of course, you know, from the wing, the wingtips, but I also thought of, uh, light of the burning sun. And mm. I thought of selling, uh, burnt orange and avocado green kitchens across the Midwest, which is what his older brother did. And we know what fate his older brother had. And I think that there's a lot of weight that's on him that he's constantly running from trying to escape from not to get too heavy on this podcast, but you know what I'm saying as far as, you know, he's got this dream, he's got this talent and he's able to pursue this. But on the bad days, you know, when he gets back to reality, is he any better than his dad or is, you know, his existence any more, um, blessed than his father's was, you know? Hmm. And as you were saying that, I was reminded of the time that John talked about that um, he rented an office in downtown Nashville and would like punch the clock and force himself to write songs that he couldn't do while he was at home or on the road. And I was wondering if maybe that there is a nod to that in there that like, Oh, I'm, you know, following my dream of being a folk singer. And then what am I doing? I'm, carrying my briefcase to the downtown office and sitting behind a desk. Way to go, kid. You know, you've escaped that fate. So it's really interesting, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah. And one of the things I always think about is we we hear the success stories. We hear the mm-hmm. people that kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, and then they broke through. Um, but what are the people where it never breaks through? And when do you reach the point where you you have to give it up right like the, this isn't going to happen you know you move on and i'm always torn between supporting your family and pursuing your dream and the good people find a way to do it sometimes both right there's a beautiful movie called when i sing which linda chorney she did an album she had been a singer songwriter uh, all her life and she got the money from a a fan 
to do one really great album. She had done three or four albums that she had just kind of done, but one right. And because of a loophole, she was able to get nominated for a Grammy. And the, the movie is about her experiences. She plays herself and how that people like who the F is Linda Charney. And it's a great, um, it's a great, uh, movie. And so, that idea of keep pursuing it, keep pushing it. And you wonder, are you happy with what you ended up being? I know that Lily Hyatt has been very vocal that she thinks it's a damn shame. Her dad never won a Grammy. And he's like, eh, you know, and and I, you know, I think from his mind, like, Hey, I've been able to support you kids, support the family. And I get to make music, but life's good. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I met John after a show one. I met him a couple of times, but I met him after a show one time. And as he was taking a picture with me and my son and my son's guitar, I said to him, you know, I'm boycotting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until you're enshrined, you know. And he laughed and his his quote was, don't hold your breath. (laughs) (laughs) I told Lily the same thing. I met her a few months ago when she played here in Florida, and I told her the exact same thing. And you could tell it hurt. She's more upset about it than John is. <laughs> to mix in a little sports, when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys and he ended up firing, uh, you know, Tom Landry. After a couple of years, Tom was like, "Yeah, okay." Alicia Landry never ever forgave. Like she never. So yes, sometimes the family's stronger. All right. So we get back to the chorus and then the lyric, as we were talking about, I think is one of the greatest. Um, and my company allows us to put, you know, on our out- outlook signatures. And I usually go through Springsteen quotes, of course, but I'm thinking about doing this one. Now there's only two things in life, but I forget what they are. It seems we're either hanging on a moonbeam's coattails or wishing on stars. And just when you think you've been gypped, the bearded lady comes and does a double back flip. And the way he says that, <laughs> and you run off and join the circus. Yeah, you just let that pony ride. Um, I, Jamie, I'll let you start us off. It- is that the greatest verse in American music or why? I, mean, I just absolutely love that verse. It is. You know, and that's, that's the one. I mean, this whole song is just so amazing, but that verse just clinches it for me because no matter how deep or how dark things seem, you think you've been gypped. You think that life has shortchanged you. The bearded lady comes and does a double, a double back flip and everything's all right with the world. You go off and join the circus because that was such a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm right there with you, Sylvan. Just everything there. And like you were kind of saying when you're giving up, but like, I think this verse talks to the idea of well, you know, sometimes you don't really need a meaning. There's only two things in life, but I forget what they are. Like, does it even matter? Or, 
you know, we all have to kind of decide for ourselves what the meaning is and that you recognize that there are highs and lows. We're either hanging on a moonbeam's coattails or wishing on stars. You know, we're either hoping for something better or we're in this beyond the galaxy kind of feeling of this high that we don't even know where we got to. So, yeah, it speaks for the longing and the searching for meaning and also the complete acceptance that sometimes it doesn't mean anything at all. And like he could have used any possible metaphor for the, you know, getting more than you could have ever bargained for. The fact that he talked about a bearded lady doing a double backflip is also, I think, a way of saying, let's none of us take ourselves too seriously. You know, what can really knock our socks off isn't, the greatest achievement and the most beautiful, uh, you know, acrobatics or a pony performing beautifully. It's something that just is so absurd. We can't stop ourselves from saying, what the heck was that? That's life. It absolutely is. And, um, the imagery, uh, you know, as you just talked about, Sylvan, we're either hanging on a moonbeam coattails, we're high as we can be. Or we're up in the ground wishing on a star, right? And just when you think it's hopeless, you've been gypped, something unexpected comes on up. You, your favorite musician puts out a new album and you go, uh, you know, and that's one of the reasons I've been very vocal of why Letter to You means so much is it came out at the end of 2020 at the end of all that pandemic and you to get mm-hmm. new Bruce music and a new president. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to go there. Um, <laughs> you, you get a compliment from someone unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. I was sharing Sylvan a story that I had that unexpectedly I got a compliment last night when your young child makes a homemade card and gives it to you. Um, someone you care about thinks about you and does something nice and the bearded lady comes and gives a double back flip and just the absurdity and it you know immediately and you run off and join the circus you just let that pony ride and we earlier talked about right an indian blanket on a pony looking for your buffalo river home he ends saying in my mind yeah we're on that pony We may never find our Buffalo River home, but you know what? We're going to have a hell of a good time in the journey. And as Springsteen says in Better Days, the journey is what matters. Mm -hmm. This to me is saying the journey is what matters. And yeah, we're going to have ups and downs, but you just got to go join the circus and let that pony ride. What else? Well what else on the song? I think that you uh, encapsulated it perfectly there. <laughs> you know, this is where, and we talk about this a lot. I would love a musician to to talk about how this is built musically. You know, we've mm-hmm. been able to talk lyrics because I do think it is put together very well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the once again, I've. We're, boy, if you're drinking every time we mention Springsteen, you are drunk tonight. But um I remember Dave Marsh, who was one of his biographers, said Born in the USA originally was a blues song. He ended up doing it as a rock anthem by choice. 
And that was the music was helping to push the theme that he wanted. John could have written this any way, but he wrote this very upbeat, wonderful, joyous, because I think to me, it is life is a roller coaster. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's going to suck sometimes, but we're going to move forward. Right. Right. Yeah. I just to echo that, that musically, there's so many little choices and little moments in here, like that line that we've been discussing, just when you think that you've been chip. I know at least in the live versions, there's kind of a pause and a descending scale that like is backing away from that feeling and that absurd kind of you almost see the person flipping over in the air. Do 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 and yes. um I am once again just going to give Mike Ward his due that those, uh, those chords take you on a journey. And it, to me, the up and downs of the notes in the scale really kind of talk about the ups and downs that we've been talking about emotionally and almost like spinning around in a circle, not knowing kind of where you are. I think all plays in with what's happening on the instrumentation as well as the lyrics. So I agree with you 100%. As far as Michael Ward, I I love all of his guitars. I love Rye. I love Sonny. I love Doug. I love them all. For this song, I thought Michael Ward was the perfect guitarist. Just the opening note, from the opening notes throughout the entire song, he just, his energy just, you know, they're all unique in their own way, but I just, I just love the guitar on this song. Yeah. To echo that point, Jamie, like everyone that has played with John since, has put their own stamp on perfectly good guitar. I have never heard a version of Buffalo River Home, which still still come up on set lists that doesn't feel like an echo of right. Mike Ward, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone doing their own thing. Yeah, so. it's iconic. Um, any final thoughts before we get to ratings? All right. So listeners, hang tight. We'll be back in just a minute and we'll go around the table and rank it. What are we going to give them? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Okay, we're back. I will start, if you don't mind. I was worried, once again, I always, there are songs that I have a great emotional attachment to, and Sylvan is the uh mistress of the scale, keeping everything straight. So I'm like, I'm going to go a five, I'm going to go a five. And she's going to look at me like you're, 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 you are the easy American judge. You are, you are running the curve. But, um, I think based on what we're going to talk, I may not be the outlier, but yeah, I, this is a five to me. This is, um, just, this is one of his best. Sylvan, we'll let our guests go last. Okay. Well, now I feel even more guilty about <laughs> I'm the meanie. I'm the Simon Cowell of Perfectly Good Podcast. Oh, my God. Um, I talk about the idea of if no someone has never heard of John Hyatt before, would I put this song on as an intro? And I am giving a hard yes to this. This is a beautiful introduction to John for all the reasons that we were talking about. But okay. <laughs> um, it's not a song that to me resonates at the deep emotional level. And maybe because it is a song that is talking to someone who's had to raise a family, which I have not. I was going to say men of a certain age, but I, I think it is beyond gender. Um, I think it's, it speaks to someone who has kind of felt stuck in a way. And maybe it's just that's not the song I have needed in my life so far. So it's a beautiful song. It says something. It just doesn't say something to me in a way that I have turned to this song and played it over and over again on repeat in the way that I have played alone in the dark over and over again and turned to what I would call a five-star song. So this is a very solid four for me. Since you don't do half numbers. Correct. I do not cheat. Yeah, so right. I do not do foreign numbers. <laughs> I, I actually gave a thought, and then we're going to go to Jamie. I actually thought about that, that this is, this is a song. I have songs on my, when I need to be inspired, when I had, you know, I had my F cancer playlist and I would not have had this one on it. So I understand exactly what you're sewing. I just think my enthusiasm just is, you know, I, I'm, like I said, I'm jumping it up. Jamie, split the difference. Tell us what we're doing. Well, I'm not above splitting the difference because I do believe in cheating. But <laughs> in this case, Jesse, I got to go with you, my man. I don't know if it's a, a Mars versus Venus thing or what, but. <laughs> Uh, I will tell you, this song speaks to me. I have raised a family, and maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, I, this song speaks to me on every level, and it it exemplifies everything about John pretty much that I love. The strong songwriting, the acerbic wit, the just cutting to the heart, and 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 it is it comes from so many different levels. I understand in some ways. Because you you sit, you, and like we've kind of tried to de- deconstruct it tonight, but you sit and you look at the lyrics and you listen to it over and over and over and you're like, what is he getting at? But ultimately, I really feel what he is getting at. And I do feel like um, that it is a song of searching. And I think that maybe it's because of my age. I'm a middle-aged man to... Um, to be euphemistic about it, actually, and, and probably optimistic about it. Um, but it is a song of 
searching and and finding the strength to go on with unexpected and simple joys. And to me, that just speaks to my soul. All right. Perfect. All right. So we got a four or five, five. Sylvan will update the spreadsheet. So, uh, Jamie, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Uh, on Facebook, Jamie, J-A-M-E-Y, Rogers, R-O-D-G-E-R-S. I'm an admin in the John Hyatt fans group. So please reach out. Yeah. And thank you again for that very thankless job of being an admin, because it is one of the nicest places, places in social media, the John Hyatt group. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. It is a very safe place and it, it, it very loving and um, a very kind fan base that put up with us. Hey, we got a new episode. We don't care, but no, <laughs> no we do care. Oh, we thank you. We do care. <laughs> All right. Sylvan, how about yourself? How can they reach you? I am Sylvan Groth, and I am stalking the John Hyatt fan page quite a bit on Facebook. I am Sylvan Green Eyes on Twitter. And don't forget that we do have our Google site where you can keep track of the song list. And like Jamie, if you see a song coming up that you would love to discuss with us, all you need to do is get in touch with us either way. I want to stress that I don't want you to feel intimidated. We've had Skip. We've had Jamie. You're going, I'm going to just shut the F up. <laughs> no, we want any and all people. If you uh, love one of these songs, I just put a image of the sea songs coming up with the proposed uh, dates on it. Um, we'd love to have people uh, on a more regular basis. It wasn't scary, was it, Jamie? Now I'm used to talking in front of people. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just love this podcast so much. It was just a joy to be on. I appreciate it very much, guys. Well, well thank you're you. Have, yeah, we, this was a joy to have you on. We want you to come back anytime you want. Pick a song. I am at Jesse Jackson DFW. Um, I am also on Facebook, Jesse Jackson from Louisville, Texas. Uh, you can, uh, check, uh, Set Leslie Bruce if you want, uh, where, um, I do throw in a few John Hyatt. Uh, uh, references when I'm talking Bruce. So it is a mutual thing. Um, so uh, anything else we need to cover? Just to remind everybody to have a little faith. Have a little faith. <laughs> have a little faith. Bye. Bye-bye. But wait, there's more. Um, you hit mute accidentally. Sorry. So sorry. That's all right. Mike, I was stumbling if, anyway. Mike, if you hear this, I didn't edit correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mike Blanchard does not know how often he gets mentioned on this. <laughs> All right. But I know now. Jesse Jackson, as a Transformer, what the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. yes. That sounds great. Baby, we can come on home. Put the cow horns back on the Cadillac and choose the message on the cord of It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.